Hello and welcome to Beyond the Chair. My name is Erica Chancellor, your, your host, and today we have Blue in the house. Hey. Say hi, Blue. Hi, everybody. Make sure you like and subscribe to my YouTube page, also my Instagram page, Beyond the Chairs, and also follow me on my anchor. So Blue, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Okay, well, hi, my name is Blue. I am a licensed cosmetologist based in Seattle and I specialize in protective styles. Perfect. Protective styles, that's the way to go now, huh? It is, you know, it's so funny because just being um, kind of mainly a braider now, a mm -hmm. lot of people um, assume that like you have, you don't have like a background in cosmetology and that you haven't been to school. And it's like, no, I've done all that and I did my hours and I'm licensed, but this is just what I'm good at. So this is where we're at until I decide, you know, what to move on to next, which will probably be more like permanent locks. Right, right. So you found your niche, in other words. I did. I think I did. <laughs> and that's why I think it's important to go to cosmetology school because cosmetology gives you the background in beauty in every single area. Mm -hmm. And so by getting to experience those different areas, you can kind of like grab your niche out of one of them or maybe even two or three of them, you know, you'll start doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's that's totally true. And um. Also, like, you have to stay true to your niche, you know, because when I was in school, honestly, like, I actually had um, a lot of uh, my teachers discouraging me from doing that. And I think it's because they just didn't understand the background, um, mm -hmm. you know, the importance of, like, protective styles and braids to African-Americans. And I was like, this is what I'm good at. I'm just going to keep getting better at the craft. And, I mean, now, like, I I'm booked out, like, a month at a time. So I feel like it's working out pretty well for me. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And... We have this craze that started where, you know, black women are starting to embrace their natural culture, their natural curls, their natural yes. skin color. So it's a great time to, you know, focus on doing just that, you know, just it's, natural I, 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 and enhancing that natural beauty in people. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. So what have. Oh, OK. So we got to talk about the Gorilla Goo Girl. You know we got to talk about that. It's a current event that's sweeping our nation. So, and we're hairstylists. We know <laughs> doggone well we would never try to use something like that. So what's your opinion on that? I mean, first of all, when that happened, I had so many people sending that to me in my inbox. I was like, what? What is going on? Like, what, this Gorilla Glue girl. And then I'm watching it. And, you know, at first I was like, maybe she mistook it for the, like, got to be glued or the Gorilla Snot products. So I was like, it, it has to be, you know, it, it that has to be it. And then I'm like, I don't, I, I think she knew what she was using. And it's like, I just don't understand why she did that. You know, I mean, I just don't think that she, she probably didn't know the repercussions. She probably thought it was just going to wash away after a little bit. Um, but to have to like basically get it surgically removed and go to the hospital, that is, that's so deep to me. Man, so when they deep. say More beauty and pain. More, we can't take it that far. There's gotta be a line somewhere. There has exactly. to be a line. You know? And I think the line is don't use something from the hardware store on your natural hair. <laughs> Period. <laughs> it's not gonna work. It's not, just, just don't do it. It's not gonna work. But But talking about the marketing side of it, now you say that it kind of it possibly could have been a 
mistake between the gorilla snot and the mm-hmm. gorilla glue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, isn't that what marketing is all about? It's like taking a brand that kind of already is, um, I guess, solidified and then kind of using that in order to pump your stuff up. I mean, that's what I see a lot of marketing do. So, I mean, do you feel like that was a good idea for them to, you know, use that type of plan to market their product? Um, I don't know if that was a plan, but I know that if I was that girl, I would have absolutely tried to um, do some sort of a partnership or a deal for Gorilla Glue. Because if that's not showing how strong that glue is, I don't know what is. And I think that that would have been a really great opportunity for her to be like, hey, you know what? This has been going viral. How about we link up and, you know, let's let's see what we can do. That's a good idea. And that's, that's a good that's idea. That's some good marketing right there. Right. That would be that would be some good marketing for her and some good marketing for that brand. Yeah. You know, especially like to introduce that brand probably to like a younger generation, a newer generation. Um, so I think that it would have worked out well on both sides for both parties. Yeah, and yeah. Probably instead of suing, huh? <laughs> Did they say she was gonna sue or what? Did you hear about suing? No, I didn't hear about that. How what did I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? I kind of dug deeper and I said, okay, let's just say that she really didn't know and she had no idea of of what it was going to do. And so I looked at the the bottle and I just read it and I, I, I wanted to see that it said, do not use on your hair or do not use on him human parts. But... The only thing it really pointed to was if it gets on your skin, this is what you do. If you use it on a human product, this is what it may do. It never gave the precaution of not using it. And I gave this example um, because somebody was like, well, nobody tells you not to drink gas when you go to the gas station. I'm like... Nobody tells you that, but if you read on the gas tank, it does say, do not consume this product. Do not use your cell phone by, you know, so when you're making industry products, you have to use those type of, to me, as a, as somebody that tries to look at it from the different perspective of the uh, marketing of Mm -hmm. the, um, both sides of the story, um, how she could have easily made it a mistake by not seeing that on there. You know what I'm saying? And making a distinction between this is a household use product and this is an um, industry use product. It has to be a clear line. You know, that you know that song, Blurred Lines? No blurred lines. It has to be because... Even on some of our weave glues and stuff like that, you'll see bonding or you'll see glue or you'll see adhesive. Well, Gorilla Glue, same thing. They use those same words, those same words. So making that distinction and saying, okay, this is industrial, please don't use that, you know, may give her a leg up on the lawsuit, unfortunately. That is such a great point. I actually didn't even think of it like that. Um, and you're right, actually. You're right. You know, it's, I guess 
moral of the story for the company is it's important for you to really be careful about like what words you're using, what you should be using. And also I feel like it's, um, I'm kind of taking that advice too, just like as a cosmetologist, you know, if I ever decide to come out with products, I need to really be making sure specifically putting on there what this is used for, what you should not be using this for and making sure that people know exactly what your product is for and how it should be used. So that's a really great point. Yes. And when you're protecting the public, that's how you got to look at it. Black and white. No, in I mean, that's true. And I feel like that's kind of like how cosmetology school teaches you to think because a lot of uh, school is about like protecting the public and like health and safety. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I would have never thought about that. Yes. And also I've been moving with this disclaimer. Whenever you post your pictures, make sure you put, um, that you're licensed. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, we are going to be starting, we're going to try to go to the board to, Try to get some of this Instagram non-licensing people off of there. Mm, just like no. people can go on, just like you can't use somebody's music mm-hmm. because it's licensed. Mm-hmm. You also can't use a, 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 a um, skill that's licensed. It's called impersonation. I am going to be so interested to see where that goes. You have to keep me updated with that. I do. I do. And I'm, it's, it's at its infancy stage, but I've been working with somebody to try to get our business solidified. And um, the psychology business was kind of like in the same uh, situation that we, we're in where society really doesn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm until certain things happen. And so she was showing me different kind of ways that they used in order to find themselves to be essential. Because yeah. at first it was like a mystical thing where, you know, people, you know, it's always been a stigma behind mental illness. Mm-hmm. So being able to cure it, it was almost connected to witch doctory and you know what I'm saying? Something like that. Not really knowing that it's the education behind it and having people think different and learn different. And that's what's going to help to be a different person. So that's what, what they did in order to solidify their business. So I'm trying to take that same approach with cosmetology. I like that idea though, because, um, I mean, I think there's there's two sides to the coin, right? Like on one hand, when you have somebody who isn't licensed, their prices are typically a lot cheaper. So for some people that is going to be more accessible. However, and this is something that I really stress with my clients. I'm always like, if you're not, if you know, if you're not going to come back and see me, at least go to somebody licensed because nine times out of 10, we are concerned with the health of your hair mm-hmm. and your health. You know, I get so many clients coming to me with breakage and all these problems and it's because whoever has been putting their hands in their hair is not knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think like that, um, that regulation needs to come in because it's like, you know, are they even sanitizing their products? Are they mm-hmm. even sanitizing the caves, you know, draping people the right way? Mm-hmm. Like, I think like that is something that like, I, I talk to my clients about saying like, you need to know that it's important that when you go to somebody that there are these certain things that should be happening. And if they're not, you need to rethink who you're going to. Yes, and also definitely. if it's like for me I just feel like if it's really your craft and if it's really something that you love you'll take the time to invest in it and you'll yes. take the time to go to school and you'll, and you'll make it work and you'll figure it out yes and that that's that's eventually time will tell those people too because they don't stay in the business that long <laughs> yes, it will. and clients know the difference between love of the craft and just a hustle yes 
definitely. They, they definitely do. They definitely do. So for COVID-19, that's the next wave that's been hitting our industry. And I just like to hear from different stylists about what have you been doing differently to protect your client during this COVID atmosphere? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. Well, first of all, once again, as a licensed cosmetologist, they teach us in school to use barbicide because barbicide is a virus and it kills everything. And so that's something that like I was already um, doing anyway, like in between clients, barbiciding like the cage, the chairs, everything, sanitizing myself. So um, with COVID, I continue doing that, but I also just like in between clients have started doing just like a little bit more extensive cleaning. Um, also when clients are coming in to me, making sure that they're washing their hands or putting on hand sanitizer and everyone wearing a mask during the entire duration of the appointment. And I have been back to work since, let me see, last June, I believe. And um, I, haven't had, I haven't had any problems. That's so good. It's, it's a real blessing. It is. It is. But that just lets me know you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yes. And it is not spreading in the salons. <laughs> it's not. You know, I have a home salon. So it's like for me, I'm I'm taking even more care because I'm like, this is where I lay my head down at night. So right. I would hope you would think that, like, I'm going to make sure that it's clean because I don't I don't want any coronavirus where I sleep. Right. Right. And with doing that. So do you have a particular area that you keep your clients um, confined to? I mean, I have a studio, but like, um, the way like my studio is set up is really smart. So like my bed's super like it's like in the wall, it's a trundle bed, it goes in the wall. So when you come in, it just looks like a living space. Okay. But even with the living space, it's like they come in and it's just like, that's it. Yes. It's going to be right here. Not too much wandering around or doing this and that just confined to one area. Right. Are, are you let them use the restroom? Of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah if yeah. they have to. And so you, do you have to do extra cleaning there as well? Oh, I clean my bathroom every day. Okay. Um, every day. And then, like, I also have, like, um, wipes for in-between clients. But I that's mean, that's, what I that's mean. Something, that's, that's something that you have to do. Yes. I mean, yeah, you, you, ha you have to make sure that you're, you're being clean and sanitized. I mean, or else I can get my license revoked. Right. And yeah. more so in between the clients because you yeah. never know what that next client left. So exactly. I think that's the key is getting in between those clients. Exactly. So actually, like on my um, schedule, I have I've increased my time in between appointments so I can have that time to do that turnover. So that's another thing that's changed. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. So what advice when it comes to using chemicals on the hair can you give people um, in particular relaxers? Because now um when it comes to African-Americans and what we, we what we've been using on our hair is not a lot of study and research done on it. So now I'm trying to cater more of my questions to that. Mm -hmm. And so from your experience, you know, what type of advice would you give for uh, relaxers or what type of experiences can you share with our audience about your relaxers? Um, well, first of all, like I feel like this is such a hot topic. In the uh, natural hair community, because you have people who are just really anti-relaxer, anti-relaxer. Um, and I think that it's a personal choice. I think people should let everyone be free to make whatever choice they want. If somebody wants to get a perm, get it. If they don't want to get a relaxer a slash perm, don't. However, if you are going to do that, go to a professional. That's Please. my advice when it comes to anything chemical. Go to a professional. 
you know, with the conversation about um, relaxers, you know, the sales of relaxers going down. Whenever I have this conversation with somebody, I'm like, you know, I grow, I grew up getting relaxers from the mm-hmm. age of like 11 up until I was like 22 and started doing them myself. And I don't have any horror stories. Mm-hmm. with relaxers i don't have any horror stories with breakage or them doing that because i was going to a hairdresser see and i tell people i'm like honestly i feel like my hair was like actually at its healthiest when i was doing that and so you know you got to go to somebody who knows how to do these things you cannot play around with anything chemical because unlike a physical change to your hair a chemical change it mess around and you might your hair might not grow back in a spot yes for so, sure. I mean, and with YouTube and everything, everybody thinks they know what to do. But then that bleach is left on too long if we're starting to get into coloring and then you're overdoing it. So go to a professional, please. Spend that money. <laughs> and spend that extra money and just do it. <laughs> really? Really? Because it's like you don't go to your friend to pull your teeth or do your dentistry. Put you some don't... respect on her craft. Put some respect on her craft. Please. You know? Please. When people say like, "Well, I don't have the money," and it's like, "Ah, ah, ah!" But you have the money to do the fun things you want to do. So mm-hmm. why can't this money go to this? Exactly, especially if you want it done right. And that's me. I want it, I want anything that's going to be done to my body done right. And I would exactly. think that other people will want that too. But you know, everybody's different. That's so true. That's so true. So, do you believe that the board has shown diversity when it comes to its curriculum? and its requirements for African-Americans. And what I mean by that is that, um, just like you said, you wanted to learn a lot more or you wanted to cater your niche more to braiding Mm -hmm. and more to um, doing natural hair and learning even more about African-American hair. Do you think the board has done its job in doing that? I think that um, we need to kind of move it into like the times that we're in, I think that um, it's outdated. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the curriculum is a lot, a lot uh, is very outdated. Granted, I think that in my case, though, the hair school that I went to, which was SBI, Seattle Vocational Institute, I actually chose to go there because they worked on um, every type of hair, mm-hmm. multiracial hair, and the teachers were black. So I do feel like my school was a huge exception in Seattle. Um, it wasn't like one of the like expensive private schools where they only teach their students really how to work on European type straight hair. And I mean, I think that like, even for them, like that's giving your students a disservice because the future is just getting browner and browner and browner and your students are not going to be able to compete if you're not teaching them how to do curly hair, if you're not teaching them how to do African-American hair. Also, I love that future getting browner and browner. The future's getting browner and browner, you know, getting curlier and curlier. You're going to have to do it. Um, And so then when it comes to the curriculum, I think, um, I wish that they taught more about like how to do weaves mm. in school, how to do weaves, how to lay frontals, how to do that. Cause that's really the new wave. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's, I mean, you're going to have to like make the choice to invest when you graduate from school anyway, invest in classes and whatnot. But if we could at least get the basics of certain things like that, mm-hmm. that would be really helpful. Yes. Yes. Especially the weaving. Cause I find, I found myself learning a lot of that as I went along in my Mm. career when I could I feel like I could have learned at least the basics of um hair transplants hair you know additions you know all Mm -hmm. of that different kind of stuff I could have at least learned a little bit in in um beauty school but I think that is where beauty school is lacking us and I think that 
more of our teaching should be do, be done in salon settings so that we can have more of a say so where we go and what we're learning and it could be geared towards those niches. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, in California, um, do you have uh, internships? We actually, they act externships, that's what we call them. Are you required to do externships um, for your hours? No, no. That's interesting. So the school that I went to, I had to do two externships in my, what was it, my fourth and fifth quarter? Yeah, I think my fourth and fifth quarter, I had I did externships at two different salons, and that was a requirement for me to graduate. So that so, sounds like, I definitely yeah. want to hear more about that, because that sounds like something that we need to incorporate in the industry in every one of our sectors. I think so, because my first externship was with um, a salon here called Mr. Naturals that does natural hair, and mm-hmm. that's where I learned how to do dreadlocks really well. I mean, they taught me in school, but when I externed there and I came back to school, I could like do a do a head in like an hour under an hour because I had um, just like a place that like specifically does those services show me how to do that. My second externship was at a salon um, that primarily works on uh, like type two hair, and so they do a lot of color. Okay. And so even though color is not really something I enjoy doing, it's something that I do know how to do because all day every day I was working with color, mixing bleach, mm. doing color, doing the the fantasy colors. And mm-hmm. so, like, coloring wigs and stuff is really easy to me because it's like, okay, this is the method. This is how you do it. This is how you do the strokes. And so, I mean, it's just an opportunity for you to get more of that education before you leave school. Yeah, and more hands-on because um, when you're dealing with chemicals, you don't get to see a reaction on a doll head. You don't get That's to see true. lifting. You don't get to see depositing. You don't get – well, you can see probably depositing, but not lifting – the way you would on the head in an area that's more porous or that's more, you know, weaker, you know, this, yeah. you know, the bleach might break this part off or turn this part a little bit more whiter. And you're wondering why, <laughs> and this part over here is yellow. So it hasn't even lifted all the way. A doll head is not going to show you that. You're right. I mean, <laughs> just think of like, just because a doll head is, you know, it doesn't have any heat coming from it. You're doing hair on a human and, that heat is gonna make that bleach go quicker, or like you said, maybe maybe this is a spot that it doesn't usually turn, or <laughs> so you're right. Like getting that like that hands on and that like real time, real life um, experience is is so valuable. I think that's what's gonna help solidify us in making us essential because they they're gonna see. Look, we've been studying this, and we can get to dig deeper into coloring methods into. Mm-hmm you know, the damage that has been, been, been doing, is it affecting our health? How is it affecting our health? Maybe even get with some chemi- chemists now that can change formulas for our um, mm-hmm. hair colors, making them more healthier to use, you know? So if you're not getting it from the professionals, you're not getting it. <laughs> you're not. And I mean, I love that, like, you're even like asking these questions and thinking about this. There's things that I haven't thought of. And I'm just like, yeah, you're right. We do need to be doing this to like push our culture, push our industry forward. Yes, we do. Because when was the last time some research was actually done? Exactly. And who makes it, (laughs) who actually is making these chemicals and perms? Thank you. (laughs) That's that's a story for another day, but. And how are you able to sell a a so-called quote unquote professional product over the counter? How are you able to do that? You know, so 
Yeah, it's some stuff that we really got to look at. And us as professionals, we're going to have to step in and do the work. Because yeah. it's not going to well, get done unless it. we do it. And I'm with you. I'm willing to do it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so have you had any memorable incidents that have happened to you as a hairstylist? You know, I was really trying to think about that. Um, and I don't feel like I have anything like memorable in terms of like, horror stories in anything or anything um i think just what's most memorable to me is probably like first time braid wearers okay people who have never worn braids who grew up wanting braids maybe they had a mom who couldn't do their hair um or they just didn't have access to those services and they come in and i do their hair and just like seeing their face and seeing like their whole attitude change once they get out the chair and look in the mirror and just like how happy they are i mean that's that's really memorable to me and it always reminds me of like um you know my purpose and why i'm doing what i'm doing Yes, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I can totally yeah, it's relate lovely. to it. <laughs> it's magic. It makes me feel like a magician. It's like exactly it's like you say that black girl magic. <laughs> it's, I've just transformed your energy. You know, you yes. walk in feeling this way, and now you're leaving out. You know, I feel like an alchemist. So, how like is that not way. essential? It, how is it not essential? <laughs> how is that not essential? Exactly. <sighs> yes. So, what type of advice would you give a student about the business? somebody fresh and new uh, you know what the advice that i would give somebody is to stay in your lane mm -hmm. what you're good at start with that and build from there i mean there um there are a lot of people including like a lot of the teachers that taught me that so i was like it's good to be you know well versed in everything and know how to do everything and i think you know it's good to know some background and everything but mm -hmm. i feel like especially starting out you know you're not going to have any clientele um you're still working on your craft you know, nobody really knows you like that yet. Find one thing that you're good at and start with that. Get really strong in that um, and build that craft up. And then once you've mastered that, move on to the next thing if you want to. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's adding like something. Yes, yeah, adding something add to on. enhance it. Yeah. Add it on. That's how you're going to make your money. That's how you're going to get your clients. You bring your clients in with that thing. And then, you know, eventually your clients will start to tell you what they want. And so then you'll decide, you know, do I want to invest in this? Do I want to learn how to do this? Do I want to learn how to do that? There's so many things added to my service that I wasn't gonna wasn't going to even add until my clients was like, well, we, this this is what we want to see. So okay, now I'm forced to forced to have this skill and expand this and expand this skill. Right, to forced to do the butterfly locks now and all this. Of course, you know, I, I said I was never even gonna do locks. I was never gonna do like the faux locks. Um, but it's just so popular now. It's like something that like um, for what I do, it's like I need to have that in my arsenal. Right. And so um, there's this girl, her name is Culture Locks on Instagram. She does some of the best like faux locks I've seen. They just look really good. So I invested in her class, you know, took her class. And now it's on my calendar. I mean, not on my calendar, sorry. Now it's on uh, my services. And it's starting to become one of my like most popular styles after Knotless. Right, right. Um, I know for me as a student, my biggest thing was having the confidence to approach that first client. Mm-hmm that paying client, you know, cause, mm -hmm. um, I do felt like a lot of my experience was on my family where I wasn't really getting paid, but now I'm about to have somebody that's about to pay me for this. Mm -hmm. What type of advice would you give a student, you know, that, that, oh, that is such that, okay. That is a great <laughs> question. A couple things. I feel like uh, you're gonna want to cut students. You're gonna want to come out the gate, maybe trying to charge, charge more than what you're really worth at the time. You really have to be honest about yourself and where your skill is at. When I first started out, 
my prices were super low because I knew I was still learning and I was still getting comfortable with my craft. The better I got and then the faster I got, my prices went up. I'm not somebody who believes um, in just charging like an exorbitant amount for something. I do like to be reasonable and be fair. However, one thing that sets me apart from who you're going to is that I went to school for this. So you are going to pay more when you come to me because it's not just a service I'm giving giving you. There's value behind it. So once you put that work in, know your worth. Know your worth. Don't yet. Yeah, if you feel like you're at that level where you can charge a certain amount, charge a certain amount because your clients will come. Your clients will find you. And sometimes, you know, pricing yourself at where you're supposed to be will weed out those difficult clients that you honestly don't want. Yes. Say it, girl. Yeah. So exactly. Like I want clients who value what I do, value the expertise that I bring, value like how fast I am so they're not sitting in my chair that long. Um, those those are the clients that I want. So Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the board. Now, do you believe that is important to have licensure? Yes. Yeah, she's like, yes. Yes, you mean just important like to, to have licensed hairstylists? Is that yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. We can't have unregulated people. We just can't have a whole unregulated industry. We can't. How, how, like, how, can, how can that be? Like, I can just, oh my God. No, we have to have licensing. What'd you say? I, I can't even picture an industry unregulated, can you? Can you picture, picture an industry? Any industry un, unregulated? What if what if the Food and Drug Administration was unregulated? Who is like who's putting these labels on? Who's saying that this does this? Oh my gosh, no. And once again, like you wouldn't have a doctor not have like his his um licensure degree. You like mm-hmm. you said you wouldn't have a dentist, you wouldn't have anybody who works on your body unlicensed so i don't even understand like why there's like this debate or question when it comes to hair and like i said before like put some more put some respect on our craft and our industry stop acting like you know this isn't valid stop acting you can like do this at home this. no exactly. you can't anybody can just do this and it's like well that's that's not actually the case so i think gorilla glue show gorilla glue girl show us that i mean <laughs> yes. From all like the all the weave glue, mm-hmm. wearing wearing their weave too long, putting too much heat on their leave out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot, and it's like, but if you're going to somebody, number one, they're going to um for the most part be using professional products on you. Yes. And they're going to know how to use those products. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And they don't know that they can't even get their hands. Well, they're not supposed to be getting their hands on the professional products. So it is something special in these products that we are using on your hair that yes, does help maintain it on your head. It mm-hmm. stops breakage. It keeps it healthy. It keeps it shiny. These are things exactly. that we learned in school that you would never know <laughs> unless you've been to school. Exactly. So, no. License everybody. <laughs> she said license. Even the braiders. You know the braiders. So the braiders. I think that there does. Yeah, I think that the braiders, um, I think that there should be some sort of licensing that does have to go with that. I understand that, like, you're not using chemicals when you're doing it. Because um, I know, like, there, there's, this has been a topic before, and there's been a whole case of, like, why, like, braiding because it's natural hair, it doesn't need a license. But I actually really disagree with that because, number one, Licensing is also about the safety and sanitation. That and part. If you're touching anybody's hair, everybody needs to go through that. So even if it's like a smaller hours course, like maybe two, three hundred, 
then let it be that, you know, but there still needs to be something for that. And especially with braiding, because I mean, there's a such thing as tension alopecia that comes from when somebody has braided your hair too tight from braiding and now your hair is broken off. Yes. But if you had somebody to teach you that, you would know that and you would know how to braid people's hair properly. And that's another thing I've learned just like specifically being a braider that I feel like people don't realize like there's so much like math and thought and art that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you can't put a whole bunch of hair on a little piece. You know, you have to look at, is this person's hair fine? Can it even hold this much? Like there's so many like little density. Yes. Yes. Texture. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I believe like it, we, everybody doesn't have to come to one person. There's enough clients out there for everybody, but all the, every client should get the same level of service. Definitely. And that's a high level when it comes to doing hair. Yes. We said yes. the bar up here. Yes. <laughs> Let's start here. Let's start here. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. So I thank you very much. But before you go, would you like to share some of your future goals with me? My future goals. You know what? My future goal that I'm manifesting is that my work is going to be in or on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. I want to start doing more work like that. Um, you're going to see me in your magazines. You're going to see me in your crown magazines, your Afro style magazines. Um, and uh, probably to eventually like do like some sort of a nonprofit for women in prison. Um, I have it on my heart that like later on, like I want to be able to go in the prisons and teach women the skill of braiding so that when they get out, they can have um, the knowledge to run and start their own business and they don't have to rely I love on, it. Uh, the state. You know, they don't have to rely on the, the state to make a living. And so that's something that I want to do as well. I love it. I love it. Hey guys, we lost our connection with Blue. But if you'd like to find her, you can find her on our Instagram page at Keepers of Crown. Thank you, Blue, for your interview and thanks for watching.